have our chat with Mike Silver every week right here on Willard and Dibs 95.7 The Game. Sounds to me like you spent a good bit of time over the last week of your life with one Tom Brady, Mike. What, 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 <laughs> well, yeah, what were, uh, what were some of your takeaways? Just just on Sunday, but um, it was cool. Cool to catch up. Uh, we kind of laughed about the fact that I've been covering him for 23 years, which makes us both <laughs> kind of old. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was not his uh, favorite day of football, obviously. He was pumped to play in uh, this part of the Bay Area for the second time ever only and had 83 friends and family members up in the nosebleeds. Uh, ready to watch, and you know it was a big, big game for the Bucks, and it obviously went horribly wrong. So uh, he's a ruthless competitor. He was not thrilled. He's a little stressed out about the state of the team. But uh, you know, we we talked about everything, including uh, you know the specter of next year and uh, what might happen. And uh, you know, I, I don't think he don't think he's going there yet, but it's looming. And looming, and it's going to loom for everyone, depending on how Brock does, and if Brock continues to play well, if Trey Lance can get back in the fold, maybe they don't need Tom Brady. How surprised were you that Tom issued or gave an autograph to Dre Greenlaw in the post game? That seemed almost unprecedented. I mean, you know, he he doesn't get treated like the typical quarterback who just lost the game. That's for sure. Uh, it's what happens when you're a living legend, and nobody's ever done it at. 45 so it's you know it's it's a trip i mean if michael jordan was still out there balling when he was 45 at a high level uh pretty much after every game there'd be people trying to take pictures with him etc so yeah um you know i don't think he loves uh post game after he loses he traditionally gets off the field very quickly this time he didn't um and i'm sure he was seething inside as he graciously uh you know said nice words to everybody and signed the football and all that and he gets it intellectually i mean Drake greenlaw is quietly one of the best players in the league this year made an incredible play is basically saying like yo dude we both do the same thing but I'm putting you on a higher level, uh, you know, than the rest of us. And even though I was trying to beat you, I would love to have this memento because you, you know, represent greatness. So that's a cool thing intellectually. I just know how competitive he is. And the Jordan analogy is apt because, you know, we those who didn't get to experience Jordan up close saw it in the last dance, but... Uh, you know, when you're maniacally driven and hyper competitive and have to define yourself constantly by, uh, you know, your ability to, to win uh, games and other things, uh, you, you're not happy when you lose. Uh, Mike, there was certainly the insinuation in your article, and you're not the first one to bring it up, about the idea of Tom being a free agent next year and whether or not the 49ers would be a fit. Now, we're all getting ahead of ourselves with Brock Purdy, but if he continues to look the way he looks now, would that would that push any idea of another big-name quarterback uh, being added to the 49ers next year? What do, What do you think? Well, I think it's all part of the equation, right? So if Brock Purdy keeps looking like this all the way through a Super Bowl triumph, then logic would suggest that you're going with Brock Purdy, right? So that would be the highest level. Um, you know, let's say Brock Purdy plays pretty well, but there's ups and downs, and the season ends the way it did last year, where 
you know, he played pretty well, but, you know, throws an interception at the end, can't bring him back. Is the fan base going to say, oh, he's just like Jimmy Garoppolo? Uh, not that the fan base is deciding. So, I mean, there are gradations of this, and history did not begin 11 days ago, though some people like to, you know, assess it that way. Um, the 49ers would have the luxury of a bridge-type quarterback if that's the way they wanted to go. So, you know, let, let's look at the four scenarios, right? And Brady, by the way, will be an unrestricted free agent. I believe from talking to people who've talked to him, not necessarily from my conversation with him, that he's inclined to try to play in 2023. And I do believe, as with three years ago, he would have interest in the 49ers, if nothing else, just the attachment to his hometown. You know, his parents are still in San Mateo, et cetera, et cetera. So um, if he had interest and if he were, if he is coming back, um, if you're the 49ers, you go, okay, Jimmy uh, played really well and we loved it. Um, we tried to get rid of him, you know, a at least once, if not more than once, and we can't tag him, and he's an unrestricted free agent, and somebody's probably going to pay Jimmy good money to be a starting quarterback. I think he's the least likely. Uh, Trey Lance and Brock Purdy, you have under contract, and everything's fine. You have so much invested in Trey Lance that it's hard for me to think he won't at least be on the roster and have a chance to try to elevate. Brock Purdy has shown you something. You have no reason not to have Brock Purdy around. He's only going into the second year, and as you said, maybe he'll show you so much that you'll feel even more comfortable. But, you know, it's not like you have Brock Purdy and Trey Lance you're trying to decide, and oh yeah, you're bringing in Deshaun Watson. The, the idea of bringing in Tom Brady, who'd be 46, is still enticing in that scenario because it's obviously somewhat of a short-term situation. It's a bridge quarterback type thing. It's a unique opportunity. You have a talented, stacked roster that you believe can win now, and it doesn't cost you the evaluation of Purdy and or Lance uh, you know, in the process. So that, to me, is something that's hard to turn down. And I know a lot of people are out there going, but Brock Purdy won! He beat Tom Brady! He's better! Look at him! And, you know, hey, maybe... History will show that Brock Purdy in 2022 is better than Tom Brady. I think that's a stretch. I think that would be hard, but maybe that'll happen. But if you're basing it on one game, uh, you might not be evaluating it right. Well, basing it on a game in three quarters in terms of the 49ers and Super Bowl possibilities, do you think, do you get the sense that they haven't really missed a beat in terms of in the locker room and their thinking as far as how far they can still go this year with Brock Purdy? Well, I think they missed the beat when they saw Jimmy, you know, leave the field. I think people were like, and I would include Kyle in that equation, like, um, okay, this is going to be way, way harder. And the, even though Purdy obviously played well against the Dolphins in the aftermath of that, people who spoke honestly were saying, yeah, it's going to be tougher. Uh, you know, they're proud people and they're stacked and they believe in themselves. So it's not like they're like, oh, there goes the season. But, you know, people who understand football were definitely thinking, yes, it's going to be tougher. They're thinking that a little bit less now, probably, because he played really, really well in this last game. But again, you know, Jimmy has played really, really well for stretches and people are fond of reminding us that he is not perfect. 
So Brock Purdy's not perfect. That interception got called back. That would have been a bad interception. Brady's touchdown pass got called back. That would have been a more competitive game had that happened. So we want to see Brock Purdy when he's down 14 nothing. We want to see him on the road. We want to see him uh, in a playoff game, ideally. And there's more evaluation to be done. But the bottom line is Kyle Shanahan, this is his job. He will make the evaluation. He knows quarterbacks. He knows what's right for him. I do know that they were really impressed with him, you know, throughout the offseason and in camp. I do know he's got a real strong sense of self, young Mr. Purdy, and he's not, you know, shrinking in the face of the opportunity. So all that's good. Um, And remember, um, if they loved him as much as they are professing to right now, he would not have gone to 62. They probably would have turned in that card, you know, I don't know, maybe third round, fourth round. So, and that doesn't mean they can't love him that much now. Just, you know, everybody take a deep breath. It's a really good team. It's gone well. Of course, they are able to win the Super Bowl on paper. It's going to be hard. And if they are able to get to the Super Bowl, which would be a triumph with anyone at quarterback, um, you're going to see Purdy versus Mahomes or Purdy versus Allen or Purdy versus Lamar or Purdy versus Burrow, most likely. And people are going to go, yeah, I think the quarterback matchup favors the AFC. No offense. Yeah, no doubt about that. Mike Silver with us here, Willard and Dibbs, 95-7 the game. I wonder by extension of that conversation, though, and again, we're still so early on Purdy, but it, it feels to fans like there's a characteristic building here, which is draft a player at a position kind of high and then grab somebody late or in the undrafted area, and it turns out that late guy is better. Let's go if that is the way Purdy Lance plays out. There was the Trey Sermon, uh, Elijah Mitchell draft. There's TDP to Jordan Mason. What do you think, Mike? Does a team get credit for what they found late, or do they get blame for for making the wrong pick on the early end? Depends how many games they win. For example, if the 49ers traded three ones to, and moved up to number three and took Trey Lance, and he turns out to be a bust, that is a black mark. But if you win through it and you end up with a quarterback, all good. Uh, another example, if you draft Cleveland Farrell, what, fourth overall, and miss on a bunch of high picks, but you get Max Crosby late and some other good guys, you're like, hey, I did the same thing. Look, I got some <laughs> late picks. But you don't win, you are fired. So Mike Mayock was fired. John and Kyle will probably be in a great position if this year goes the way it seems to be going. So that's the answer. And that's why you don't frivolously you know, blow off late round draft picks because you never know, and that's why you take quarterback. But um, yeah, it's it's not a great state of affairs for a franchise to invest that much in a quarterback with that high of a pick and have it not work out. And I'm not saying it won't. I'm just saying that would not be good for anyone. If you win through it, you get away with it. Yeah, and leaning toward not working out, but still a lot left to be determined. If Purdy can't play Thursday because of the oblique, Josh Johnson starts. Has any team ever started four quarterbacks in a year and made it to the Super Bowl? Uh, there was a stat. Sean Payton told me the stat um, I, himself because he was going through it. When he started Ian Book, uh, in, was that two years ago or last year? It, in a uh, nationally televised night game when they had a bunch of injuries, he, uh, he, he 
cited a stat to me, and I'm sorry, I don't know exactly, but how many uh, has a coach ever won games with X amount of starting quarterbacks in one year? So my suspicion is probably not four, but I am not a stat geek, so I'm going to have to leave that to your crack research team over there. Thank you. But I will say this. uh, Josh Johnson is... No joke. Uh, I will fight this battle, you know, with anyone. I've known him since, you know, he entered the league. He's been on 14 teams. I know a lot of coaches and talent evaluators who have said to me over the years, you know what? I'd rather have Josh Johnson than our guy right now. You know, it's like Josh Johnson's good. You can win with Josh Johnson. He's smart. He, he can move. Like, a lot of people like him. And for whatever reason, it hasn't stuck, but he played well last year when he when he played. Uh, if he has to play Thursday, I believe he'll you know rise to the moment, uh, and so that's a pretty good situation to have. And by the way, we're like things are so accelerated now. We've gone from oh my god, Jimmy starts the Super Bowl is lost, <laughs> haha, Brock Purdy's playing to. We don't need Tom Brady. We've got Brock Purdy, too. Is Brock Purdy durable enough to be a franchise quarterback? Because <laughs> he might miss his next start. So let's just go through the entire cycle and, and uh, you know, just speed right to his retirement. So. <laughs> the NFL's amazing, isn't it? I mean, every Sunday we come back Monday and life is totally different. It's totally well, different. I will, I will say this. So in, in 1989, I started covering the 49er beat um, at the age of 24 for the now defunct Sacramento Union. And Eric Wright, the veteran corner, esteemed corner who won four Super Bowls, was an incredible player, uh, you know, was all over me from day one, lovingly. We are still close to this day. But he was like, Silver, why you put so much, I'll say BS, why you put so much BS in the paper? Why you put so much BS in the paper? And finally, I came back with an answer, and I said, dude, there's not enough games. There's six days between games. What what else are we going to do? We got to, you know, we got to come up with storylines leading in, and then... Then I went to SI and I only wrote every week, so it was awesome. I could kind of like wade through it and, you know, only decide to write about what actually mattered. But, um, you know, now obviously we have Twitter and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we hyperventilate between these games. <laughs> and that's why the games mean so much because there aren't a lot of them. But, yeah, people are freaking out. So I am here, an old soul and an old person, to remind you that history did not begin 11 days ago. And maybe that's why I felt comfortable talking to Tom Brady after the game. And maybe that's why he felt comfortable talking to me. But we, you know, we might see it from a different perspective. And yet I know him. I know how maniacally competitive he is. I know this is ripping him up. And I, you know, it's all crazy that he's still playing and he's still playing like this. And I feel like what if Brady comes back here in the playoffs and rips everyone's throat out and wins again? I mean, if it was anyone else, I'd be like, no way. That team sucks. He's old. Like, the 49ers are too good. There's no way. It's not going to happen anyway with the seedings, et cetera, et cetera. But because it's him, and I've watched it for so long, I'm kind of like... The Bucks will slop into the playoffs. They'll beat the Cowboys in the first round. The seedings will work out. They'll come back to Levi's, and Tom Brady will throw for, you know, two touchdowns in the final three minutes and rip everyone's throat out, and it will just, you know, that's just how it is. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but 
I'm not ruling it out. No, I mean, we, we've all learned. Assuming that Tom Brady is washed is like assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo won't be on the 49ers next year. Um, it's just... We just it's, <laughs> right. Don't do it. You yeah, can't, we can't do, risk we're it. not going to make that assumption anymore. Hey, Mike, great stuff. Thank you for hyperventilating with us. Hey, you know, caffeine helps, but anytime.